This is the Norris Group's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. The award-winning show dedicated to thought leaders shaping the real estate industry and local experts revealing their insider tips to succeed in an ever-changing real estate market. Hosted by author, investor, and hard money lender, Bruce Norris. Hey, everybody. It's Aaron Norris. And welcome back to the radio show. And today we've got Meredith Stowers. She is currently a marketing and business development at Cross Country Mortgage and ADULoans.net with a focus on helping families get into refinancing properties with accessory dwelling units in mind. She operates ADULoans.net and serves as a founding member of ADU Coalition. She recently wrapped uh, up her national syndicated column, The Marketing Coach, in the business journals. Uh, in the business journals. And previously, she was chief... Um, Operating Officer for Voices Heard Media, the leading social media application and consulting company, which included clients like Disney and Scripps Network. I had no idea that you had such a background in marketing. Um, so, yeah. why real estate? <laughs> I know. Good question. Um, and the answer is, you know, my mission in life has always been kind of helping people um, in some way, shape, or form. Um, there's always, we're always learning stuff, all of us. And if I can make somebody's life a little bit better, and housing is one of those critical elements. Um, you know, the real estate market's really changed. If you look online um, at the cost per square foot, you know, in the Southern California market, it's typically 800 to $1,000 per square foot. Um, whereas with the ADUs, you're looking at around 325 per square foot, maybe 350. Of course, prices are going up on everything. Um, so the volume is switched and, and yet construction is terrifying for so many people. So if I can help handhold them through the process and get them financing that's even better than purchasing, I'm going to do it. Well, and before we get into ADUs real quick, I also wanted to mention uh, your nonprofit. Um, number one, I don't know how to say it. I'm afraid I'm going to say it wrong. <laughs> oh, Think House. Yeah. So thinkhouse.com is a, um, actually that was um, an online community for military families. It was the largest out there. And um, simultaneously we um, created Operation Homefront um, and built it into the fifth largest charity, um, you know, in, in America to help uh, military families. And that also went hand in hand because when we could see families struggling with deployments and things like that, we could leverage the charity to swing into action and help. Makes a big difference. And a lot of that is setting expectations, goal planning, um, helping young uh, wives manage finances and so on, because often they're left on their own. It's not the guys doing it, it's the women who are steering those decisions. Yeah, when the men go off to war, which uh, there's still a lot of more men than women who get yes, into- much more. Yeah. 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 Interesting. That's a, a, I can't, when it, you said it was the, f the fifth largest nonprofit serving the military? Yeah, it was the fifth largest nonprofit serving military families. So I haven't been involved with it for a little bit. But again, it goes back to just trying to help people. And even though I, I work in mortgage lending now with my husband, um, you know, it's all a theme of helping people, uh, you know, do something great in their lives. All right, so ADUs come on the scene. Um, you were one of the only lenders at the time who even knew what ADU meant. Like, why was it attractive to you? Because it was messy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ADUs were messy. They are messy. And, um, I'm, you know, my husband, I got to give kudos to my husband, Michael, 
who is honestly a financial genius. And um, he's been in, in mortgage for 30 years and he's seen every type of loan and he's not afraid to creatively solve problems. And that got me excited because um, renovation and construction loans are hard loans. And so um, if, if you can get our goal, if we can get our manufacturing process on the loans down to a science and have a better experience than what most of you know the situation is, um, that to me was a blue ocean strategy. Um, and not just for our business, but for the people we're helping. Um, I just see these prices go up and up and out of reach for so many people trying to buy a home and construction makes all the sense in the world. What I also love about... Um, uh, it uses, it keeps families together. I see a lot of multi-generational families, especially mm -hmm. during COVID. And um, Mike and I have six kids between us and many of them are adults now and about to have children of their own. And it just occurred to me, you know, how great would it be um, if we weren't all crammed into a house during COVID, but we could have our privacy and in individual families um, and it would be less expensive for the kids than to buy a house and you create this family compound where the grandparents can help with the with the little kids, but also, uh, you know, my in-laws really need help now. And so to be able to look after them is kind of a good fit for everybody. For those of you not in California who may not be is in tune to ADUs, ADU stands for Accessory, Accessory Dwelling Unit, and these are secondary structures. By right now, the state has mandated that if you own a property, you have the right to build a secondary structure up to 1,200 square feet, very minimal parking requirements, and uh, very minimal impact fees if you build under 750 square, square feet. So part of today, I mean, we have a lot of investor listeners, listeners I want to cover this angle because so many consumers are looking to build, but also buy um, houses with ADUs. And it's just really important to understand what the lending has done in the last couple of years to adjust to the new reality. It's just been really crazy. Absolutely. And it's not just California. Um, cities across America and particularly in the Southeast um, have adopted ADU laws, usually just one ADU. Um, ADU is a mortgage jargon for accessory dwelling unit. And the problem is with that is um, when I go, if somebody's going to build a duplex or a triplex, I can actually factor in rental income with that. With the ADUs, I'm not allowed to. Mortgage jargon says that an accessory dwelling unit could be a pool house or a companion unit, but it's usually something that doesn't generate uh, income. And, and that was politically expedient. Who can possibly be against grandma having a granny flat? Um, mm. But that's why these are called ADUs. Um, so we got really good at those. And um, we have a new White House. Um, and uh, Sandra Thompson, the new head of the Federal Housing Finance Authority, said they intend to double the stock of housing on both coasts using ADUs. So that's how big of an investment is. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. I, I didn't know that it was it had made it up to Washington. Um, I still thought it was just a select few states. We've had a number of meetings actually with the White House trying to convince them to treat ADUs like um, uh, like rental properties um, to some success, but not much. So for example, it's really important. And this is why Aaron, you and I work together. 
Fannie Mae is no longer financing ADUs on multifamily homes. So sometimes we have to go to private money to build. So in California and even some cities like San Diego, you can build multiple ADUs on a single family home unit. Um, I've seen one property that is a single family home. They're building eight accessory dwelling units. And there's no way to finance that in either traditional residential or commercial. So you've got to, that's where the private money comes in. But it makes sense. Fannie Mae won't even let me do a rate and term refinance on a property with ADUs. And we're seeing trouble now with purchases. I know they will not touch them. They do not want to support investors. They're really pulling back out of the market. And that's not a bad thing because the market is really going back to what historically it's always been. Yes, there's a portion financed by Fannie Mae and FHA, but there's a huge portion of non-traditional lending and what I would call common sense lending. Well, I, let's cover the San Diego thing really quick because this is important to know. The state has mandated, it set the guidelines, it set the bar. It doesn't mean that your local city or jurisdiction can't be more aggressive. Some cities are allowing um, tiny homes, which fall under DMV regulation. It's not real property, it's personal property. Right. But yeah, you, you just, you really have to unfortunately dig in a little bit more to find out what the local regulation is around it. San Diego has been one of the cities that has been the most aggressive. So eight on one single family lot? Yeah. So, um, okay. And and let's go back to what is an ADU. Um, Essentially, it it can look exactly like a rental unit up to 1,200 square feet. Well, 1,200 square foot house, um, most of them are three bedroom, one bathrooms. So these are pretty big houses. A junior ADU in California is typically has to be attached to the primary home and it's usually a garage conversion. Well, that can fit a one bedroom or studio. You add some decking out there and it feels even bigger. So these are pretty sizable units. Um, right now, the standalone ADUs are typically costing about 300000 to uh, build. That's nothing um, compared to buying a 1,200 square foot house at um, an average price in San Diego right now is seven eighty nine, dollars and it's much higher across the state. So mm-hmm. it's double the price to why, why pay double the price when you can build a custom brand new house for half that price. Um, and then and then same thing with apartments. So a 300,000, when you finance it as part of a mortgage, a $300,000 um, unit is about $1,300 per month. But rents for that in San Diego are closer to 4,000. In LA, it's 5,000. Bay Area, you're looking at 6,000. So the cashier cash flow on those make all the sense in the world. But let's say you got adult kids or whatever, it's super cheap. Um, so to give you a sense when you finance these, it's for every 100000 you spend, and 100000 is very typical for garage conversion, it's about 450 per month. And the rental income is just, the cap rates on these things are just unbelievable. Wow. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so- I, I- in my presentation, I'm still teaching on ADUs and now we'll get to SB9 and SB10 today as well. Um, <laughs> I, I still really love ADU laws because it's very crystal clear what the state allows and the jurisdiction has had to update their ordinances to follow suit. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, it's 
so interesting to see what people are doing. And I've pulled data from the National Association of Home Builders that say on average $100,000 in impact fees uh, across the board nationally yes. to build mm-hmm. something. And then when you talk about land, if you were going to buy a lot in San Diego to build said 1,200 square foot house from scratch, how much would that be? 500 grand? Oh, oh, it's, it, yeah, absolutely. So let's start with the fact that it would take three years for the permits on a custom home. And this is why SB9 is so important. And we'll talk strategy on that. Um, mm-hmm. Three years and minimum 40000 probably close to $100,000 on, on um, just for the right, without a shovel in the ground, just for approval on the designs. Then you have literally 50000 for just the right to hook up water and 50000 for just the right to hook up electricity. That is the average cost of custom homes. And I personally did that article um, on behalf and did participate in that study on behalf of the Building Industry Association. Um, and, and then there's actual construction. So again, a 1,200 square foot home is 300,000. You go any bigger and you're easily looking at 500,000. So, and that's why the big builders like the KB Homes and, and even the middle-sized builders, they're not building at affordable housing rates. They're building million dollar homes because you, can't. <laughs> because you can't afford it otherwise, right? So this is where ADUs are so affordable. Um, and then, and you brought up SB9 which is even more exciting. Now, SB9 allows, um, it's again, it's a political play. They're tiptoeing into the water um, mm-hmm. because they're allowing their uh, uh, people to s- owner occupied homes to split their lot. It has to be a minimum 40, 60 lot. It can't just be a little corner. And, um, and those, uh, and then, at that point, you can sell off the lot or all kinds of things. So I asked Gary Geiler, the head of the city of San Diego, because I get this question all the time. Well, do you build the ADU first and then split the lot? Or do you split the lot first and then build a custom home? Well, duh, what's cheaper and easier? The ADU. So I asked yeah. Gary, I said, so if I build an ADU and split the lot, I said, would you permit this as a custom home if I built it to that specs? And he got a little growly at me. And, but ultimately he said, yeah, I'd custom build it. I'd charge you 40000 for it. But yeah, I'd, I'd permit it. Well, shoot, that's a no-brainer. I mean, it's... Right. Well, one of the caveats of the... Um the law is that the cities have 60 days to approve these things. If you've got a complete application and it's one of the reasons I don't like SV nine is because it's very vague. You go to the back of the line and the cities don't like it. So if you look at the the bill review, who was against it, it was every city. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, and in realistically, I'm seeing turn times on ADU, um, ADU projects at four months, still way better than we've had. Um, I think that the regulations are going to come from what I'm hearing are going to come out of the Department of Housing and um, Community Development, which regulates all these localities on these rules. I think SB9 is ultimately going to change it to a six month turn time and 30 to 40,000 and max. Um, So I think, again, it's helping. California's permit departments have really had their way uh, and this is why a lot of people don't build in California because it's so subjective and they're trying to change some of that. But even so, um, 
you know, a lot of people think California is unaffordable. I think California is a very interesting market because the number one, the rents are so high. People in California say, oh, I'll go buy in Ohio or Florida or whatever. Yeah, but then you're getting Ohio and Florida rents um, and California is much higher. But two, California has really lagged behind every Western city, coastal city in the world. Um, and that we're living this single family dream that isn't reality. So you're going to, the next 10 years, you're going to see lot splits. You're going to see condotizing of ADUs. And you're going to see it build up the way that Boston is or um, uh, DC or that kind of thing, because there's just not enough living space. And I, so really a, if you're buying a house with a big lot at 700, 800,000, that could be three homes in one. Yeah. Well, let's, let's back up a little bit. SB nine was passed last year and it basically does away in urban areas with, um, single family zoning. It allows yep. you to do a lot split and it does allow you to basically either, build a separate house and then 80, 80 use onto both. So one single house basically becomes a four unit. Right. And, and that's at the state level. So that's why so many cities are so upset. The minimum lot size, by the way, once the lot split takes place is 1200 square feet from what I remember. I think yeah. And that, remember, that's just a first blush because um, as soon as once the politicians realize there's not that much backlash, they're waiting for the NIMBY backlash. And so far, there really isn't. And then you start to see them expanding. Well, maybe we could go a little less, you know, with square footage, or maybe we can include non-owner occupied homes or things. Yeah. I think they learned their lesson with ADUs with the cities playing around and saying, oh, we allow ADUs. You just have to have a minimum lot size of 20,000 square feet. And these yeah. are some of the games. Even Berkeley, that was my favorite. They're like, we allow ADUs, but they were charging regardless of size, 50 grand in impact right. fees. So I'm like, don't pretend like you're for housing when you do that kind of nonsense. It's crazy. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, I agree. SB9 is a lot of the development departments are not happy because it takes local control away from zoning. Now, they got all the arena numbers, all the affordable housing. Um, everybody's different. Actually, LA just got in trouble. They got theirs pushed back because it wasn't enough. They weren't going to meet their goals. But I talked to one development department who basically said, they're telling us that we have to build at our best year we've ever built for the next eight years. It's just not going to happen. But in my experience, a lot of the cities are thinking that they have to do this. They have to build it. I'm all, you're not talking to the right people. You're not talking to investors. Um, yes. I, yeah. And, so. and that's actually a discussion we've had um, very actively with Fannie Mae and with the cities and so on. The belief is if it's done by an investor, it's bad. Um, and in fact, ironically, your best affordable housing projects, like um, where there's low income liens on it, is all built by investors. Um, so I, I but but that's a policy. This is the Biden administration. Um, so we can expect that, you know, they're very concerned about Black Knight and all we, that. We've been meeting them all the, you know, we've been meeting with the powers that be at Fannie Mae as well, trying to say like investor friendly. And we've got some advocates there. It's just politically not expedient. You're right. Investors are just, it doesn't matter what left or right. It's just at the end of the day, it, it sounds dirty. Oh, investor <laughs> is bad, which is so dumb. We have the skill, we have access to private capital. 
when Agreed. I look at LA, their HHH fund, um, I pulled the latest data, I think it's in October and they're on part of, I think it's 587,000 per unit that they're building, that yep. $1.2 million. And when <laughs> I look at the permits, Turner, Turner School um, pulled a whole bunch of permits and it's actually being led by homeowners. It's homeowners yeah. that are building these and the numbers blow the HHH fund out of the water. So if they would have yeah. just taken that 1.2 million, they could have made money on that money by supporting families trying to build those. That's exactly right. And Turner Center is actually because so many families are building these for family members, even on a so-called investor property, the vast majority of so-called investor properties are what were originally a starter home. In other words, uh, I got married, I bought my first house, now it's too small, but I've kept it as a rental. What a great opportunity now for one of my adult kids to go build an ADU on that property, but it's technically it's an investment property. So I'm trying to encourage them to get a little more creative on that. Um, what's really interesting about all this and the, the sort of national movement is you have a clash of generations. Um, and I can say this as a Gen Xer, which I think you are too, you mm -hmm. know, the boomers were double our size. And in California, they really control the political landscape because they love their little single family cutesy neighborhoods. Now you have um, the millennials and the, and the Gen Y, and they are double the size of us too. And they're telling the boomers, the Karens to, you know, get out. They need housing too. <laughs> and so I'm just going to get the popcorn and see what happens. <laughs> I, you and I haven't talked about this, but Florida, the area that we're building in Florida, it, in prices increased 40% in one year yeah. yeah and rents went up six hundred dollars in in just six months um yeah. i i went into building thinking i was going to get 1700 and ended up renting for 22.95 wow um and that just happened all within a year it's been nuts and i think covid has really made us all rethink we're right before yeah. the show that we're doing with you we actually have the national association of home builders talking about housing design what people want you know features that they want um people have changed the relationship with housing. It's mm -hmm. not just where you work, it's where you uh, live, it's where you educate, <laughs> it's where you work out. So it's changed a lot. Let's talk about how it's changed. How have, let's go back to ADUs for a second. Have appraisals really calmed down and is it easier to get the value these days? Yes and no. So three years ago, as you know, we when we realized um, that the guidelines were from the 1950s, and again, <laughs> like a, like a lenders, um, appraisers were not allowed to factor in rental income. And technically, they still aren't, except for the marketability of the home. In other words, how would 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 buyers value a home that had an ADU? Um, so we got our appraisers trained. And um, even on purchases, we only use those uh, trained appraisers and it's made a massive difference. If you get any junior woodchuck buying a, a appraiser who's taken a lead off of an um, uh, appraisal management company in AMC, they will give a 1200 square foot, three bedroom home, $0 value because they haven't been trained. My guys will, it's kind of like a pool, they'll give 75 to 110% of future value. Um, and what's interesting is that once 
it is built, we frequently refinance the entire property again um, because then they really, the appraisers go back and, and I've literally had one guy say, oh my gosh, it's so much bigger than I thought. It's so much nicer. Oh, and you have rental income now. Um, now I'm going to give you full dollar for dollar value and it knocks out the mortgage insurance. It knocks down the rate, all kinds of stuff. So uh, think about that. So yeah. You're working with a lot of owner occupants who are, are doing these. How yes. are they getting things done? How are these loans structured? So these loans, um, if you've just purchased, and I have a lot of those, um, we do a renovation loan based on future appraised value. And in fact, I have a, a ADU investor club that's really people starting out investors. This is perfect for your kind of first investment is buying, buying a home as a first time home buyer with three or 5% down, maybe 20 grand, 30 grand. And um, First National Bank of Mom and Dad, you know, sends a gift uh, for down payment. And then you move in and um, you start designs for an ADU. And what you're the, and I have a whole bunch of videos on the type of properties you're looking for. But fundamentally, you're looking for a three bedroom, two bath, single family home with an attached garage. Because when you have an attached garage, you can convert that very inexpensively um, to a junior ADU. Heck, I mean, in, in when I was younger, I would convert those garages myself without necessarily hiring a contractor other than a handyman for the plumbing connection and the electrical connections, right? And, and maybe AC. Um, so the attached garages are great value. And then you build a standalone ADU in the back. Um, and so, so we can you're really pushing the triplex sizing if they're going to yes. live there. Millennials, yes, you hear this. This is your opportunity to finally live in a place and also have income properties. Exactly. These properties should actually, they always pay for themselves. So if you're buying with 5% down, let's say, then I'm going to, um, you start, you move in, start the designs, you figure out any deferred maintenance, and then you get me a contractor bid. And when you submit permits, that's when we start the renovation refinance. And we time the loan to happen when your permits are back and you're ready to start construction. Construction typically lasts six months, sometimes up to eight months. Um, and that gets you your ADU and junior ADU. And when you're done with that, we give you that final rate and term refinance. Now you have cash flow, you have the lowest rate available, and now you're going to rinse and repeat, move to your next property. That'll do it for part one. Stay tuned for next week when we are back with Meredith Sowers. We'll see you next week. For more information on hard money loans and upcoming events with the Norris Group, check out thenorrisgroup.com. For information on passive investing with trust deeds, visit tngtrustdeeds.com. The Norris Group originates and services loans in California and Florida under California DRE license 0121991. Florida Mortgage Lender License 1577, and NMLS License 1623669. For more information on hard money lending, go to thenorrisgroup.com and click the Hard Money tab.